The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback Cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. All right, podcast number 116 for Redneck Tech Podcast. I'm here with Ryer Porter, who is the big buck slayer. He shot his first deer this weekend. I guess we can start with that. Yeah. Tell everybody a little short breakdown since we're going to have a video and everything for it. Well, I was in the woods, <laughs> and then a deer riveting, came out. This is riveting stuff, guys. It, she came out of the woods, and then I shot her. Yep. And she died. And then the next day, what happened? The next day, another deer came out of the woods, and then I <laughs> shot him, and he died. Golly, man. Uh, That's storytelling. <laughs> hey, I can't give away all the details. I'm telling you, I've had I've had a, about the equivalent of that to video handed to me to tell a good story before, though. Yeah. About the equivalent of that. Do you deer want me to out. really spice it up? No, How, I don't think we have time to really spice it up, but I mean, you can, you can go into a little more detail than that. So, for those of you who do not know, let's just start at the beginning. Well, I guess the so. very beginning. I was born. <laughs> well, well, I was born in Victorville, California, in 1995. Victorville, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So you were born in California, though. But I lived there for a year. Then we moved to Colorado. That's where you're born, man. Okay, I'm not a Californian, though, and you know this. We've been over this <laughs> time and time again. Okay, don't go that far back. Like, talk about the weekend. Like, we went down there as a group. I took my little boy with us. Clay put us in a gar hole, and we didn't see anything, and then y'all shot all the deer. <laughs> so that's kind of the, the whole story. And Clay's not here because he's watching a football game that doesn't start for two hours or an hour and a half. Shameful. Shameful. He picked a football game over you guys. So take that for what it's worth. His Instagram handle to harass him is at Clay Carrington. So uh, quick backstory: I'm 25. I work in the hunting industry, and – up until last weekend, this three last weekend, three, three days, days ago, ago. Um, I had not killed an animal. But earlier this year, I kind of had made it a goal of mine that I wanted to. Um, but once we kind of got rolling with all of our stuff, it kind of looked like that was not going to happen. Yeah. Um, just because of time restraints and things like that. But uh, Clay suggested that all of us go down to his family's property just a little bit. What were we, south of? It's Atlanta, kind of in, southwest, yeah, more more east, southeast. Yeah, it's East Georgia. It's like yeah. Madison, Georgia. If you know where that's at. Yeah. So his family has a property down in Madison, Georgia. There's deer on it, and he said, "Why don't we all go down there?" Um, he told me he's like, "I'll take you out, and then Caleb can take Sims, uh, his boy, out, and hopefully everybody can shoot a deer." And um, so we all went down there, got kitted up the first night, and Clay and I went and sat a box blind. Um, I don't know if we should give away that we were filming it, but... Well, I think we've pretty much established yeah. that. So we're, we were filming it, and uh, I was in the middle of basically some interviews where I was talking about 
basically hunting for five years and having as many days in the field as I have had, but all of them being behind the camera. And Clay goes, there's a deer. And I'm not joking. There's literally a deer. (laughs) And so I turned around, grabbed my gun, and it was a doe. And she had just came out of the wood line and was walking straight towards us. Uh, And I, in my head, was going to wait for her to be broadside. Because I was, I in my head, I'm kind of like in archery mode. Mm-hmm. And you just always wait for the deer to be broadside. You don't usually yeah. take frontal shots like that. And I heard Clay go, uh, he said something like, put the crosshairs in the center of her chest. And when she stops, pull the trigger. Yeah. And so I got the scope on her, put the crosshairs in the center of her chest. Clay, uh, Clay stopped her and then... I pulled the trigger and shot her right in the chest. And she did a flip, buried her face in the ground, ran away, smoked a tree, absolutely wrecked the tree. Yeah, they and then ran they had no regard for their direction on their yeah, no, bleeding she, from the heart. She freaking smoked a tree. Yeah. Um you can hear it in the video. <laughs> <laughs> smoked it. And then she ran off into the woods fifty yards and died. And then uh it was a pretty easy recovery. There was not a lot of blood to trail because of uh, the fact that there was not an exit hole. Well, an exit, and you shot her at a downward angle yeah. in the chest, so there's no way for the the blood kind of didn't want to go out. Right. She was like laying over forward. It wouldn't have yeah. been hard to follow any blood. We found a couple blood spots, but um, she didn't go far, and that was pretty exciting. So Shot her with my rifle, which was cool. Yep. Yep, your 270 that mm-hmm. you've had since you were 16. I think so. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was about 16, 15 or 16. Yep, so that's the first year, actually. I've got the cartridge. I saved the cartridge, and I got that on my desk. And then we're going to save this story for the buck. We'll just save that for video. Because y'all videoed all that, too, didn't you? Or just pictures? No. Oh, yeah, just did no, pictures. No, video, the video will be about the doe. And then, of course, the second night, we went out to sit, and we got this idea to kind of do a photo story, which uh, I have not posted yet, but as as soon as the podcast is done, I'm going to post it on Cope Creative. And then we also did a like opposite photo story deal. So Clay did a photo story of me hunting, and I did a photo story of Clay making a photo story of me. <laughs> so That was my idea. <laughs> that was his idea. Um, so those will be on the page by the time you guys listen to this, I'm sure, unless you're on the YouTube live, in which case it'll be, uh, it'll be up after, uh, but yeah, there, there is video. I told him to video if I was going to shoot an animal, I wanted him, I wanted it on video just for, if nothing else, just to make sure my shot was good. And to see where the shot was at in case we needed so to review footage. So he did video the shot? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've got video of the kill shot of the buck, but um, we don't have like... How far was that shot? I never heard, I never asked. Uh, I think that was probably around 70 yards. Oh, wow. Both your shots were under 100? Mm-hmm. Dang. My first deer was 200 and something yards. Yeah. No, they were, they were under 70. So... It's awesome. He bled a lot. Did he? Yeah. You got him broadside though, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, those broadside shots are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. How far did he go? About the same distance into the woods really? as the other one. That rifle thing's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the uh, 
what happened this weekend, and me, me and my son didn't see anything. And he literally, like, when we got done, I told him it was time to go. I was like, I'm sorry, buddy, we didn't see anything. He was like, I wanted to see a deer. I'm like, I did too, buddy. I really did, just for your sake. But I was like, I was like, this is why when people say hunting's easy, this is when you tell them, no, it's not. You have to be patient. And, the, you know, I was trying to, mm-hmm. like, do the dad thing, and he just had alligator tears, like, I really wanted to see a deer. Yeah, just had to hear him say it. Clay said he went full dad mode when I shot that doe. Yeah. He said, he said he was filming, and as soon as I shot, he just forgot that he was filming. <laughs> just like looking to make, see where she went and everything. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. But we had a good time, hung out, ate Chick-fil-A too many times. Um, too many times? We only ate Chick-fil-A twice. I wouldn't call that well, too many by any three means. three times in two days because I was with a four-year-old because that's all he ever wants is Chick-fil-A. But anyway, so we'll get into the podcast now. So if you're listening to the podcast or wanting to skip forward, we are now at nine minutes to about to actually start the podcast. But I don't um, know why I looked at my watch as if it had any indication as to what time we're at. But um, so this podcast is going to be about the Ten Commandments of editing or video editing. I, I say editing, but it's really video editing. But editing can be many different things. You can edit somebody's writing you can edit pictures you can edit but this is about video editing specifically um ryan and i have both been editing for a long time so this is a fairly subjective podcast now there are there are probably you talk to a different editor he might have a different list than us this is our list this isn't the end-all be-all but in my experience and did you agree with everything that i put on there or did you have some changes i didn't know that i was allowed to collaborate well you yeah i mean (laughs) well i mean uh no i don't i don't have any so essentially essentially you know we've edited for a long time these are some of the things that we've learned um editing is something that's very technical and uh anyone that can edit editing editing anybody can edit but i learned this the hard way when i first started doing this a long time ago knowing how to use the program like knowing how to use Adobe Premiere, knowing how to use Adobe Final or Final Cut, knowing how to use Avid, isn't knowing how to edit. Just knowing how to run the program isn't knowing how to edit. Editing is so much more than knowing how to what the buttons do. Um, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I I get really far deep into that. Yeah, I know, but even on just the most yeah, basic level, right? So there are a lot of things that you have to know that are outside the scope of setting in and out points and cutting and, you know, ripple deletes and cross dissolves and things like that. There's, you have to know codecs, you've got to know frame rates, you've got to know export settings. You've got to kind of have a pretty good understanding of computer hardware and software. Um, and a bunch of other stuff that I'm probably forgetting that's super important to once you get into editing, knowing all these things are going to make you that much more proficient. And they're going to essentially tell you how things work together. Now, that is a 50 other podcasts that we can't do right now, of codecs and frame rates and all those things. But once you start editing and you're shooting video, you know, you're going to have in, you're going to have different frame rates, different cameras shooting different codecs. And all these things get ingested into a program and you've got to put them all together and make them look good. Well, once you start messing with different things like that, you're going to see the difference in them. It's hard to tell when you're looking in your camera, maybe the difference between one camera and the next, but bring those files into an editing program and those those 
differences are magnified, especially when your computer is trying to process a highly compressed file versus an uncompressed file. But like I said, not that's no here nor there. So we're going to start with the first commandment, which I kind of tried to do these pretty much in order of what I thought was importance, like, or not importance, but like kind of in a progression. So the first thing I said was you need to have a plan. Uh, so commandment one is have a plan. What do I mean by that? You know, when you go to into the shooting, when you go to shoot a video, you're probably going to go into that with a plan. You just don't willy-nilly go out and start shooting. You kind of need to do the same thing. Throwing clips in a timeline and trying to figure it out as you go isn't a great use of your time. Um, most of the time that you have, the footage that you have was shot, um, it was for a purpose. So that your edit needs to be for a purpose. You need to lay out interviews all together, lay out B-roll, you know, organize those things in the timeline to where you can see them and be quicker about it. Um, editing in blocks. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. Develop, you know, and, and when you start doing this, you're going to develop your own editing style. Like Ryer's style is very different than my style. But he goes at every edit with a plan, as do I. And it's and it's there's no right, right or wrong way to, you know, to go after a plan. But you need to have a plan before you ever start editing. The second thing is, and I'm going to let Ryer run with this one because this is his, he does this better than I do. And the second commandment is you need to be organized. And when I say organized, you don't just need to be organized inside of your timeline. When I say timeline, that's like what you're looking at when you're editing. You need to be organized before it ever gets to your timeline. Your footage has got to be organized. When you export things, it needs to be organized. You can't find it. And then what good is it? So how, like, how important is all the stuff when you bring it in or put it on your desktop or put it on your hard drive, like how important is being organized, like color coding and laying things out and having different sequences for different things? Like, like how much time does that save you? Like what, you know, what's your level of importance with being organized? Uh, I place a really high importance on organization and folder structures and making sure that everywhere has a place and that those places are consistent throughout every project uh, especially like as we have grown and as I have grown and I've gone from doing smaller projects to larger projects, um, the importance of those things matters a whole lot more. So like if you go and shoot and you shoot 15 clips and you throw them on your desktop and import them into Premiere and then edit it for social media and export it, like your organization didn't matter a whole ton there Yeah, because you only had 15 clips it was in, out, done, whatever. Uh, but you start working on projects that have multiple cameras spread over multiple days of shooting or like a TV show where you've got basically months of footage that you're working with. You you have to have it in a place where you know where everything is, where you're not losing things, where you're able to pull it into Premiere and you're not breaking links essentially. Um, which is kind of a technical thing that Premiere does. But it's important to have all your footage organized before you get it into Premiere. And then once you get it into Premiere, you have to organize it in a way that helps you find the things that you need when you're editing. Yeah. Because uh, if you shot 700 hours of video, but you can't find anything that you need, it's useless. Yeah, well, and like you said, if you don't organize on the front end and you edit something, 
you finish the project and say, hey, they come back and say, hey, can you edit me a tease from that? And you know, it was three months ago. Mm-hmm. And you open that project back up and you weren't organized and nothing's linked, nothing's, you know, now where is it? You know, it's useless without the linked footage. So being organized on the front end and then once you finish your project, organizing your project files, organizing your exports, organizing, you know, where your cache files go, which we're, we've been working on lately. It's like all these things have to be in their place and you have to know where they go, what they do and what purpose they serve. Or you're you're pissing in the wind. You won't know where anything goes. It's kind of like when you go hunting, you're probably not just going to throw all your stuff in a backpack, put it on, and go to the woods for a week, right? Like you could throw all your stuff in a backpack and go for a hike. Yeah. But if you're going to be gone for a week and you know you need all of these things and you need to be able to access them and you need to be able to not lose them and you need to be able to use them uh, effectively or efficiently, you're going to put them in your pack in a certain way. And you're going to do that probably the same every single time. And you're going to develop your own system to how that makes sense for you. And everybody's pack is going to look a little bit different, even if they've got all the same things. And it's the same thing with editing is you have to take the time before you go on your quote unquote trip. You know, the trip being your project. We're still following the analogy, but (laughs) you have to take the time to, set up an organizational structure so that all of your things are accessible to you, you don't lose anything, and you can work efficiently. And you just have to take the time to do that. It takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of figuring out what works for you. Um, and honestly, it like takes time to do it. There's a lot of times where would I rather just dump all my stuff on a hard drive and then edit. Yeah. But I have to like tell myself, Hey, even though this is a small project that you're going to be done with in an hour, still put it into an organized structure so that if for some reason you needed to access all of this later or find it again, it's not just spread out. Yeah. So just taking the time to do all of that is super important. Yeah, and it's getting more and more important for us. You know, we have to pull footage and pull things for deliverables and sponsors all the time. And if we don't, and it's and it's even hard with us because we have mountains and mountains of footage. It's really hard to go back and find one specific clip unless, you know, either you were on the trip or you know exactly where it is or, you know, if you knew it was on day five and you shot it, well, I can go back now and I can narrow it down to one folder. Mm-hmm. You know, I can say... I know what was on my FS7. I know what was on the fifth day because we killed on the fifth day. I can go back and find it. But those are all things you have to set up on the front end. The third commandment is setting up a template. And what do I mean by that? So I have a template project file that almost everything is built off of. So essentially, in order to build a template, though, you have to know some things. First thing you need to know is what what is the end in living place for this piece of content? Is it YouTube? Is it Vimeo? Is it television? Is it your computer so you can show your buddies? Like, where is this thing going to live? Then the second thing is, like, what did you shoot this in? Like, did you shoot it in 30 frames a second, 24 frames a second, or you have multiple frame rates between different cameras? And if you do, you need to get all those things at least in multiple, you know, multipliers of one another. If you're shooting in 24, you know, and your high speed is in 120, or, you know, 24 and 240, whatever, those things need to work together. Otherwise, once you get into editing, 
things can get a little wonky and you can get drop frames. But like I said, another another thing for another day. Try and shoot things in the right frame rate. So we generally shoot things in 24 if they're not for television. If they're for television, they're in 29.97 or 30 frames a second. Um, so when we go into our timelines, they're set up for those things. We also set them up as Apple ProRes 422. And the reason we do that is that's a huge uncompressed file when we're finished. So we can export out that huge Apple ProRes 422, and it'll be a gigantic file. We're not going to upload that file, but that is the highest resolution that we can make. And now we can take that huge file, and we can put it in Media Encoder and make any other export we want out of that big file. So you can always down-res. You can never up-res, if that makes sense. So if I take a huge file, I can make a bunch of smaller files. But if I only export a smaller file, I can't make a bigger file. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, making sure I was making, making sense with that. So once you have that template set up, I can file save as that template, and that can be my starting point for each one of my editing projects. And then I organize. I put those things where they need to go. Um, and you, you can set up templates for everything. I mean, yeah. we have, I going back to the organizational thing, I we have templates for projects in the finder to where we put all of our footage and our assets and our exports and then we've got templates for bin structures inside of premiere to organize the footage once we get it into premiere maybe we need to explain what a bin is so inside premiere in your project panel you can set up folders which are called bins and you can literally name the bins like b-roll or interviews or whatever so he has a, a a template structure for those bins so he can copy and paste and then it'll be like you know, days, cameras, you know, B-roll, interviews, versions, you know, all the different things. That way everything's organized inside of Premiere and outside of Premiere. Yep. Um, And it's important, I think, to have those templates for two reasons. One, speed and efficiency. Yeah. Um, Because then you don't have to manually make everything from scratch every single time. And two, for consistency. If you have a template, everything will always be the same every single time. Uh, so you know where to put things, and they always fall into the organizational structure that you set up. Yeah. Um, next thing is fourth commandment. Everything you edit needs to either tell a story, inspire, educate, or entertain. So I've had some people send me some footage or videos lately that is literally a song with some cool clips over it. The only person that gives any value to is the person that shot it and edited it. It gives no value to an end user, an end end viewer. So we have to approach everything that we do with the attitude and the knowledge that there is is a, a, a purpose to this video. What is that purpose? Is it to tell a story? Is it to inspire? Is it to educate? Or is it to entertain? And a story is simple as something that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. That's a story. It can be as simple as three clips. It can be as as uh, complicated as blue stem. It, you, you don't know. So, but you got to go into these things, into these edits, and into these projects with that in mind does this does this whole project tell a story does it inspire does it educate or does it entertain and then you have to build your edit or your time around those 
those concepts. Does that make sense? Don't yeah. Come. No, I mean, okay. I I think that every single time we go to edit something, even if it's like a one minute promotional piece for a specific product for a company. We always go into it when we shoot and in the editing process with the mind or the, the, uh, you got distracted with your Instagrams. I got distracted with the Instagram story. Killing me. Now I forgot what I was saying. Um, with trying to figure out what that story is, you know, so let's say Rambo comes to us and they say, Hey, um, we want you to show off this bike. So we could put together something that just has a bunch of cool clips of the bike. Um, but that's not what we ever do. We go into it uh, and shoot it in a way that tells a story that, you know, maybe the story is as simple as, uh, you know, a guy's going fishing, so he's going to bring this bike and he's going to go fishing and he's going to use the bike to go fishing. But... When we go and shoot it, we make sure we get all those shots. And then when we bring it into editing, we go, okay, how do we, in one minute, use the shots that we took to show that this guy is going fishing, he's using the bike, and then, you know, he's leaving, he's done fishing, or um, whatever it may be. Even something as simple as that has uh, a little miniature story built into it. Um, you know, and also there's some education in there because usually when you're trying to promote a product, you have to educate the consumer or the audience about the product and yeah. its features and its benefits. Um, yeah. And these in, 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 a, in an edit can have multiple, they can tell a yeah. story and it can do other things too. But you never just want to throw clips together. You want to make sure that, that the audience is getting something out of it. You know, you got to think in terms of your audience as you're watching it and go, okay, I'm an, I'm somebody who has not seen this video yet. I just watched it. What, what does it make me think or feel? Does it make me want to go buy this product? Does it, um, tell me the story of this person? Does it tell me the story of this hunt? Uh, was I entertained? Did I learn something from this? Uh, and if you can't answer any of those questions, if you feel like you just watched a bunch of cool clips and the only thing that you came away uh, with from that video is, oh, that was cool, it looked cool, then you probably want to do some work and reevaluate that yeah. edit and make make changes so that at the end of the day, there's a so what. Yeah, and sometimes, and, and this has happened with us, sometimes there's only so much you can do in editing. A lot of it comes down to how it's shot, too. Um, but just when you go into your shooting and your editing, keep those things in mind. Um, and I, I think one major thing with that that you can ask is, why do I care? Yeah. Right? So I'm a viewer. Why do I care about this video? What makes, what do, what do I care about this video for? Is it, do I care about it because I was educated? Oh, I, I care about this um, School of Knock video because... Now I've learned to overcome my target panic, mm-hmm. and I value that. So that's why I watch that video. Why do I care about um, this video about some guys going fishing? Well, because, you know, they're cool guys, and I like to watch them fish, and I was entertained by that. Yeah. Or, you know, this guy has a really cool life story, and I learned something from his story. Um, and I think that if you just 
every time you make an edit, you go, why do, why would I care about this video and try to answer that question? It'll help you really solidify a lot of those edits. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, number five is don't use things as a crutch. And this is one that I've harped on before. And, and when I say things, things I'm talking about are voiceover and time lapses and interviews and montages and slow motions and effects and graphics. All these things are tools that can be used in an edit. They can be overdone. They can be beaten to death in our style and my style. Personally, I don't like voiceover. Some of our clients use voiceover. It's not my personal favorite. I think you can do a better job of, telling a story in the field and not ever having to use voiceover. I, I don't mind interviews, but if it were up to me, if I'm the, the executive producer on something, I don't want to do interviews either. I think those things are better, better done in the field. I don't want to, I use montages, but I don't overly use montages. Montages are music videos. It's a song put to music. It's these things are pretty and they're very easy to do in editing but people take these things to the extreme and you watch a video per, I mean, and I'm not throwing stones at anybody, but to give an example of like the overuse to me to where it's like almost like, all right, come on guys of graphics is like, if you watch, and this is just my personal opinion. Some people love this show is like juries 13 where they have the graphics and the voiceover and mother nature and, that's just over the top. That's not my style whatsoever. Um, to me, that is that they don't they don't value production, so they're 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 they get some kills, but they don't have great production value. They kill big deer. That's that's the the draw, but they fill in the gaps for the lack of production with lots of graphics, lots of over the top voiceover. Not my style. Nothing wrong with it, and people love it, which people love watching the hunting public. I can't stand watching the hunting public. There's no production value whatsoever, but it's not my style. They also don't really do interviews, which I do like, but there's there's no music, there's no production, there's no really a whole lot of thought put into it. It's just a follow-along, which is great. My brother loves it. But if you want to produce something at a high value, you can't use things as a way to, you can use montages to pass time. You can use montages to get energy. You can use montages to speed up a show pace, but not to spend four and a half minutes on a montage. You know, because I've seen that before. Montages, if I ever do one, they're never longer than 20, 30 seconds. Because then you've got to go on to something else. There's an ebb and a flow to an edit. There's, you know, there's peaks and valleys. It's, it should be a roller coaster. You should bring people up, slow them down, speed them up, slow them down, speed them up, slow them down all the time. And that's that takes it takes a really good job in the field and shooting it, but then it takes a lot of time in figuring out how am I going to speed this story up or slow this story down. Um, and, and I think that's something that, and you know, as you progress as an editor, I mean, we've talked about this, the story arc mm-hmm. and show pace. Like that kind of goes into like, what sets apart a good editor from an okay editor? A guy that uses tons of voiceover, 
tons of graphics to tell, you know, to make, to essentially church up his edit mm-hmm. versus, you know, and, and, and I know, I know some editors, I know one right now, I'm not going to say his name. That ha- he has to deal with some crap footage all the time. And he just is like beating his head against the wall. He's like, how do I make this better? The only way to make crap footage better is to add graphics, add some crazy transitions, add, you know, things to it to church it up because there's only so much you can do with crap footage, you know, but I know you, I'm how much have you ever had to edit a whole lot of just stuff you didn't shoot that you're like, Oh my gosh, this is terrible. No, see, I have not really. Oh, that's why I hate hate editing stuff. I didn't shoot. Yeah. Or somebody that didn't know what they were doing, shot it, you know? Oh, just thank your lucky stars for that. Is this not fun? I mean, you just, there's not, I mean, you just don't know what to do. But I know some editors can make that kind of stuff look really, really good. It's like we were talking about today that the, the, the commercials, the new thing for a big corporate show, you know, big corporate commercials is to use iPhone video, mm-hmm. vertical iPhone video. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand it. So don't use those things as a crutch. I think the one thing I would add to this yeah, go for is. It. Again, the same, a lot of the same thing. I'm just going <laughs> to keep saying. Just, Clay just coming hello from the outside. <laughs> Kicked out. Kick him out. If he didn't want to be here originally, I he doesn't sh- get I to. wish I could kick him out. Can I kick him out of the chat? you can, yeah. I can rep- oh, I can block him. <laughs> block him. <laughs> You've been be cut off. That would be, I might do it. If he starts saying some bull crap, I might have to block him. So, Again, I'm going to say pretty much the same thing I've said four times. Uh, make sure there's a purpose behind using these things. Make sure there's a purpose behind using a drone shot, using a time lapse, using voiceover, using an interview or a montage or slow motion or effects. Like, make sure that it has a reason behind it. Um, I think that you you can have a lot of cool footage. And things being cool is a reason to an extent. Yeah. But you also, like you said, the difference between a good editor and an excellent editor or an average editor and a good editor is thinking about more things than just making it look cool. Uh, And that takes asking yourself, what's the purpose of this? What is this doing for my edit? What is this making the audience feel? What is this... um, like, what is the purpose of this shot or this montage? And if you can't answer that, then don't use that thing. Like, if, I, if I'm if i using a drone shot, I go, okay, what what is the purpose of that shot? Maybe the purpose of that shot is I'm showing the audience where we're at. Or I am using that as a way to end the scene, to take the audience out of the scene that we're just in or to put them in that scene, or maybe there is a weather change or something that I want to show them, so I'm using this drone shot. Um, yeah, everything has a purpose. Yeah. Everything, everything has a purpose. There's no throwaway clips. There's no throwaway scenes. There's no throwaway anything. Everything has a purpose, and that is to either to show you something, to get you from one place to another, to speed up time, to slow time down, Everything in there has a purpose. And if you go at every edit with that in mind and you go at every shoot with that in mind, like, okay, what purpose does this shot serve? That's why you can tell the difference between a guy that edits who's shooting versus a guy that doesn't edit who's shooting. A guy that who doesn't edit 
usually is just spray and pray. He literally just runs camera all day and just hopes he gets everything. Versus a guy who edits is generally going to be more down the middle. He knows, okay, now we've just finished this scene. Now I've got to get from here to here. Now I'm going to get this shot to get from here to here. The editor is going to take this drone shot. He's going to transition to the truck driving. That's going to get us to the hunt. Now we're going to be on the hunt and get some shots walking. There's the deer. Shoot it. Done. Over with. Versus guy that doesn't edit, he's just going to follow you around with the camera all the time, praying to God he gets enough for the editor. Mm-hmm. That That's why it's so important to learn at least the basics of editing and how a show goes together because it's going to make life so much easier. And I think if you were to ask us, like if you sat down with me or you sat down with Caleb and went through an edit of ours and we're like, what? You could probably ask us on every single clip, yeah. Why'd you put that clip there? Yeah, and we'd have an answer for you. Subconsciously, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I have a, I, I'm gonna have to think about it for a second. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, there was a there was a reason, a purpose. Now, is this something that we painstakingly think about every single clip? No. There's an instinct. You yeah, develop. there's an in, yeah for sure. You, we've done it enough. Now we're like, okay, we've got to get from this day to the next day, this day to this day. Okay, here's a time lapse. All right, there we are. One shot. We got you from this day to this day. We need to end this day. There's a night lapse. We need to get from here to here. Here's a driving shot. You know, somebody driving. Didn't even have to be the right person, but I could show somebody driving down the road. That automatically gets me from camp to the hunt. You know, whatever these shots are, we instinctively know what they do and what what their purpose is. Um, I think we covered that one pretty good, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that you know, your way of telling me to shut up? No, that's, I'm, I'm, <laughs> try, I'm trying to get through them because we're already 37 minutes in and we're only on number six. So, because these last couple are, this one for sure is one that I want to talk about, is hard cuts. The sixth commandment is hard cuts. What do I mean by hard cuts? So, the newfangled thing is... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Every... <laughs> you're, about to, you're about to make me go on my soapbox. I'm about to make everybody mad, too. So, what do I mean by hard cuts? Go watch any movie that's in the movie theater. Go watch any series like a Yellowstone or Netflix series or big documentary. Anything with money put behind the production. If you watch those, are there fancy transitions? Are there fancy graphics in between cuts? Are there big, crazy moving swooshes and cross dissolves and all? No. Very rarely. Like... 99.999% of those things are hard cuts. Why is that? Because they know how to tell a story. You do not need all that fancy crap, all those slide-in transitions and all that, if you're doing a good job in the field. Cut that crap out. Now, with that being said, there is a time and a place for those things. Perfect example. We just did a video for, um, well, we've done a couple of them for Rambo, which this one was actually for X-Stands. It hasn't been out yet because they still haven't given us approval for it. But um, they wanted a, essentially a product video shot in the field that was that had a lot of graphics and a lot of like, they wanted to draw your attention to text and to, you know, it, they wanted it to be eye-catching. Okay, and it's a short video. So to throw in graphics and to throw in text that you want to draw people's eyes to, maybe it calls for some of those fancier things. 
But when you're talking about long-form content, YouTube shows, television shows, movies, films, they need to be hard cuts. And any time that is not hard cuts, those transition needs to happen in camera. And what do I mean by in camera? There's some really cool and fancy things you can do with your camera to transition. That, you know, into black, out of black. You can use trees to transition in, in editing. You can, you can do a lot of cool things to do fancy type things in camera. And you don't have to work on those in the edit. So just think about that. Think about everything you ever watched. And do they, do they use all that crap? No, and it, when you use that in a long-form edit, that tells me a couple of things. It tells me you didn't go, do a good job in the field, you're trying to church up your edit, you didn't tell a good story, and you're inexperienced. That's what it tells me. Did I cover everything? Yeah, I think here's what, it, here's what I feel about those things. And I see them a lot on, like, Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. They're cool. And well they are cool. And I think what I feel yes. like it's doing is is showing off that you as an editor know how to use a program. Yeah. And I think that to me as an editor I want to show something to like obviously if I show something to you you'll be able to be like, "Oh, that was a good edit." Like that was a fun. That was a good edit. The editor did a good job. Yeah. But most people, unless you do this for a living, edits are completely invisible. They yeah, don't even know for sure. Like I, I don't remember how it was like before I got into this, but I literally never remember thinking about shots or cuts or transitional elements or anything while watching something. Like I was just staring at a TV. And then, like, images came at me. <laughs> and there was no thought. Like, I didn't yeah. even know that there was an edit. Yeah. Right? Which is how 99% of people watch things anyway. Right. And and I think that as an editor, that is what you want to achieve. Yeah, for sure. Is your edit should be, quote, unquote, invisible. And when you start trying to, like, do all these fancy things, especially to the extent that I see it done, like, where the entire video is just whooshing transition oh, stuff the whole time. Sick. All that is telling me is like that you are an editing hype beast. <laughs> like it just, I, I get that it's a style, and, and I've and had and in, I've had conversations well, if with you used in moderation. It's okay if you use one or two here just for an effect or to draw attention to something. I'm okay with that. Or like in a sizzle reel or something yeah, yeah. here and there. Yeah, there's time and a place for it, for sure. But I, I think that it's your, it's a little bit egotistical, I think. You're trying to be like, hey, look at me. I'm the editor. I can do cool things. I think it's, I don't even think it's, I think there's a little bit of that, but I think it's more of like, okay, this video sucks. Let's figure out how to make it, awake and not, make it not suck. That's, maybe that's wrong or whatever, but that's how I feel. And, you know, and I be, think the best films, the best movies, the best everything I've ever seen, zero of that, zero of that. It's yeah. like you did, literally the 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 cut the edit was invisible. The editor was he did his job so well you didn't know he existed. Kind of like you said. Yeah, yeah. I think I think 
you know, you just need to, and again, it comes down to, like you said, ha- going into things with a plan. Well, this is this doing, is what I said, the progression. You see how mm-hmm, I did that? I see that. You like that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good, very good. You're, You're welcome. Did a great job, Caleb. <laughs> uh, having a plan in the field, which we have a Ten Commandments of in the field, but doing a good job on location, in the field, getting the elements that you need, and then doing a good job in the edit to pay attention to the story, to really be a caretaker of that story and a quote-unquote caretaker of your audience and understanding what information you need to give them and what they're looking at, when they're looking at it, and trying to make an edit that doesn't need a bunch of transitions to get you from shot to shot because if not, it would look choppy. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's... there's if you have like, I, again, it goes back to um, doing a good job in the field and the use of montage. But if you've got like a bunch of clips and they have no relationship to each other, and you just need to like put them in a video, then you have to do a montage or you have to do a bunch of crazy effects because if you were to just hard cut from one to the other. Your your you, audience's eyes would hurt, or you've got a voiceover, or you've yeah. got to have interviews, right? All these other things that, you know, are tools, not mm-hmm. crutches. That we, you know, kind of going back. Well, and that kind of goes back. That kind of goes to our next commandment, which is the seventh commandment, which is editing to music. And when I say edit to music, editing to music is something that I learned a long time ago when I was first getting started about. And it does several things for you. It kind of goes back to what I was talking about with show pace and energy, and energy of an edit, energy of a video. I, you know, when we talked about style the other day, and Ryer kind of pinpointed my style about how I like to edit to things that are music-driven, and I do, and I've noticed that even more since he said it, is you get a song. I like to edit to hip-hoppy, big-beat-type things, even though I don't really listen to a whole lot of hip-hop. I like editing to it just because... There's big beats, and you cut on those beats, and you make things happen in the video to those beats. You use that music to drive your video and to suck your viewer in. And the music choice is what can speed up, slow down, suck in, push away, you know, ask questions, whatever those things are. That song and editing to that song is it's so important. Just throwing a song down there and laying clips over the top of it because it sounds good isn't the right use of your music. There's ways to use music to really use it to your advantage in the edit. And Ryer is a Ryer's the music guy. He's he listens to way more than I do. I'm pretty I don't want to say bland, but I'm pretty like down the middle with my music. I don't really listen to you know, I listen to some, some country, some rock, some uh, maybe some like more like harder metal type stuff. But outside of that, I don't really listen to a whole. I don't listen to rap. I don't listen to hip hop. I don't really listen to much else. But you know, how important is not only editing the music, but music choice in an edit? And, and that's my that's my least favorite thing is finding music for stuff. Hate it. Hate looking <laughs> for music. God, my, I hate it. Uh, I think that when 
when you nail the music, you you know it. Oh, for sure. Um, and I think that there's a lot you of know things. What, you know when I think of nailing the music? You mm. know when I think the music has been nailed more than it's ever been nailed before? What? All right, we'll start narrowing it down, see if you can pick out the scene. Blue stem. Hold, no, don't even tell. I already know what, what it is, is it? now. It's uh, Austin's introduction scene. Yes, 100%. We've never nailed, you've never nailed a music choice more than that one. Yeah. Uh, Easter egg for those of you watching. <laughs> and th- this was not intentional, but part like, three. Part, so, part three um, of Blue Stem, yep. there is, uh, we're basically introducing all of the all of the guys and all of their trucks, right? So we have this big opening scene where everybody gets together, then they break out, and then I go to Ethan's truck first, then I go to Michael's truck, and then I'm introducing Austin. And he was a character who we didn't even know anything about before we showed up, and then they're like, he's the scout. He's the guy who finds the birds. Mm -hmm. And... Dude vapes like a madman, drinks 45 Red Bulls a day. I mean, he's my kind of guy, listens to freaking just rap, yeah, hip-hop, metal, yeah. long-haired dude. Uh, and we pick up his scene at a gas station. Goes into the gas station, grabs some Red Bulls, comes out, is talking about how much gas he, put, he has to put into his truck while he's drinking a Red Bull. Mm-hmm. And then we get in the truck. And it's just, we're going fast and vaping and finding birds. And I'm looking for music that will subconsciously, like, tell the viewer, well, you, like, the, the asked, personality of this of this guy. But you also asked the guys, like, what yeah. music they liked. You well, I didn't have to, to ask Austin well, because he played it in his waiters every day. Yes, yeah, it's true. So I'm going, okay, I need some big hip-hop beats. I need something that's dirty, that sounds like, some freaking and we, straight trap music. We paid extra for that song too. Yeah, and so we're gone, and I'm looking through music, looking through music, looking through music, because it. I need this song to be perfect, and I'm obsessive. <laughs> no, Caleb could tell you, think? you. A, little, uh, a little bit. And I find this song, and you can listen to it on Spotify. Yeah, the oh, song is the, called r- the song is called Gas Money. Yeah, and it has a dollar sign as an S. Yeah. And I listened to it, and I was like, this is the song. Oh, Rob, the stars aligned. Rob Kinney was listening to it mm-hmm. on the way to a hunt and, and, yeah. and, and Instagrammed you about it. Yeah. It like, the stars aligned. Could, it is a song you could just listen to. Oh, I do. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. a good song. I'm probably going to listen to it on the way home. <laughs> Am I going to go faster than the speed limit? Probably, 100%. Probably. Arrive with me, arrive with me. Yeah, it's a good it's, song. It, it just perfectly fit the scene. And what's crazy about that, is like I didn't go looking for a song with like gas money in there. Yeah, it's just like the it's weird sometimes with edits, and you'll get this. And oh, anybody yeah. who's edit like sometimes I had, one, I had one happen today. Yeah, really? What? I'll show you in a minute. Okay, it's hard to explain. Uh, like it's kind of weird. It's a little like you guys are gonna think that we're some hippies. Yeah. But sometimes the edit and the universe just are like, here's what you need. I actually had two clips lay in perfect today. Was either one of them mine? I don't know who shot him. Dang it. 
I just well, it's in a cut. It's in okay. a cut, and then one that I literally threw in the timeline, and it laid exactly in the song spot that would like lay it out. It's just it's it, weird. Yeah, it is weird. There's I have no explanation, but sometimes well, the you, universe is just like. But do you here think, you go? Here's the thing that you need for your okay, edit. Okay, here's devil's advocate. Do you think it's the universe, or we've just done this so freaking many times? It's just you got to get a win so every so often. Mm. Or do you mm. think it's the editing gods? I'm weird, and I think I think there's like. <laughs> Cause I, you get that you you'll you'll be grinding away at something, and then out of nowhere it just works. Yeah, it just works, and yeah. you don't like you can't. It doesn't feel like I did anything to make that work. Yeah, it just worked, and there's not. I didn't do anything, so it's. I feel like it's some sort of like universal editing power that when <laughs> when the when the story is what it needs to be, and the universe yeah. feels that. Yeah, it's just like, like locks it in, and it's like go. there it is. There and, you go. And then, you know, you just have one of those moments that is something that I can't say on the air, <laughs> but in the editing room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's happened a couple times. I can't put my finger on, like, just, like, the best ones that have ever happened, but it's happened to me before. It's like, I really need a shot. It. Oh, there it is. That's what I was looking for. That's perfect. Or when you just nail the scene. Yeah. You're just like, mm well, it's like freaking nailed well, that like to me. Like I, sh- I pulled Joe in there today. I'm editing the reel for, uh, for Huntmasters, and I, my first cut, I always hate it. And I showed them, and I didn't even want to show them because I was not happy with it. And I'm not. I'm like a quarter of the way even roughed. Like I've not even roughed it. And I showed them like kind of trying to give them my idea of like what I'm going for. And this and this explains perfectly the difference between Clay and Ryer. Played it through. I was like, oh, I know what you're going for. And Ryder stood there, stared. I think looked, looked up at the circles. ceiling, stared, and Clay's like, play it again, play it again. And, and Ryder's like, I can't watch it again. I'm trying to think. My ADHD is going to kick in. Just wait. Let me get this thought out. It's <laughs> true. Perfectly explained by them. Clay's like, yep, got it. Yep, blah, 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 blah. And Ryder's like, just give me a minute. <laughs> My brain just got to like turn. It's got to it get was, turning. But it was like, and but the, my first version of that little quarter that I've got roughed in, hated it. And I bet I've watched it fifty times today. And I and I'd smooth it and I'd smooth it and I'd smooth it and I'd smooth it and I'd move some things around. And I'd move one clip. Now I don't hate it. I hated it this morning. Now I'm like, okay, I can work with this. But I never, I don't think I've ever edited something first pass. I'm like, that's it. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. You know how? Well, so there was a section in that blue in that piece, the when the song first kicks off, mm-hmm. there's like a little rhythmical section. I'm not going to sing it because I'll sound like an idiot. <laughs> but just go watch it and you'll see it. And I, like I'm timing up sounds from the gas pump and him doing things. I think I sat there and the people from the class will know exactly what happened, what happened because we did this in the class. Uh, I sat there and stared at it and, and like shifted things frame by frame for probably three hours until it like just aligned. Yeah. But I like I kept watching. I was like, "This sucks. I hate it. It won't work. It won't work. It's not working. Why won't it work? This is terrible. I'm terrible. I'm gonna get fired. This is the worst. Um, this is 
the whole project is ruined. I can't edit. I forgot how to do this. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's sick. Yeah. And then that's how it goes. It's just an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, editing is. Your edit should be and the process should be. So number eight, eighth commandment is trim the fat. And we've talked about this before. Is and, and, and the reason I say this, and a lot of these commandments are coming from not what we do, which we do do all these things, but we do these things as second nature now. This I'm this is kind of a one on one level is what I'm trying to make these ten commandments, and I probably should have said that at the beginning because <laughs> I get I get he a, says looking at me. Well, no, I was looking at, <laughs> I was looking straight ahead, but I get I get a lot of videos sent to me, and Ryder does too. For people want us to watch them, and I love that. I love being able to give feedback, and I always try and give honest feedback. Generally. On most of them, I would say 80, 90% of them, if it's a 10-minute video, it could have been a 5-minute video. If it's a 6-minute video, you could have told me the same thing in 3 minutes. If it's a 20-minute video, you could have done the same thing in less than 10. And what do I say by that? It's because a lot of guys or editors or shooters or whatever, when they get into their edit, they're very redundant. They're saying things in a different way more than one time. They're leaving those two, three, four, five frame gaps in there that need to be cut out. They're holding on clips too long. They're not editing the music. They're they're really extending parts of the, the video that no one cares about. Um, they might care, but you've got to think about your end viewer. So there's a lot of times that there's a lot of tr- fat that can be trimmed. I'll never forget, and I don't know if I've ever told this story before, but the first thing I've been I breaking ever, out all of the untold stories well, lately. The first at the first show, t- television show I edited when I was at Sub Seven was for Elite's Respect the Game, and it was a hunt or a kill per segment. So there's four segments to the show. So there was four kills, and literally all you did was edit the kill sequence per segment. So they're around about five minutes. Chance Chancellor, the old uh, uh, production manager, handed me a hard drive. It was like my first or second week there. Lost as a goon. And uh, he handed me the drive. He's like, here's a drive. There's four kills on here. He's like, edited a show. You know, four kill per segment. Needs to be 21 and a half minutes when it all adds up. All four segments. And I was like, okay. I was like, that sounds easy enough. So, I probably took, I wish I knew, at least a week to edit the first segment. Should have taken me a day. Took me a week because I'm clueless. So uh, I edit the first segment, call him into my office, which was like one office over. I was like, all right, here you go. What do you think? He watches it, doesn't say a word, and it's like five and a half minutes. And uh, he's like, it's too long. I was like, okay. So that was the only critique I got was it's too long. He walks back to his office. I work on it for another day or so. I trim it by about 20 seconds, still over five minutes. And call him back in there. I'm like, all right, I shortened it up. He watches it. It's too long. The only thing he tells me. I'm like, okay. I trim another 10 or 15 seconds out of it. And to me, that's the only other areas that can be trimmed viewing this edit. I've cut out almost 30 seconds of a five and a half minute edit. That's all that can be cut. It's five minutes. It's perfect. Well, this is me being an inexperienced, young, stupid editor. 
He comes in there the third time, watches it. It's too long. I'm like, and at this point, I'm mad. I'm like, okay, Chance, you've got to show me what you mean because I do not know where else to cut. He's like, just watch. He sits down at my computer and literally hacks my five-minute segment down to like 320. I mean, guts it. He's like, look, he said this twice. He just said it in a different way. This clip's too long. We don't need that clip. We don't care. We don't care. We don't care. All right, that clip's too long. Cut this clip here. There's three frames at the beginning of his sentence here. Three frames at the end. Cut, cut, cut. And in 10 minutes, he took my five-minute segment, cut it down to less than three and a half, and it was better. And literally that day, a light bulb went off in my head. It was like, now I get it. Now I understand what trimming the fat is. And he all Chance did was show me the fundamentals of editing, of cutting, you know, cutting your clips right at the end and the beginning of when someone's talking. We don't need those extra three or four frames, unless it's for effect. There are exceptions to that rule. We've talked about that. Then there's redundancy. Somebody will talk in an interview and they'll say the same thing two or three times, but we don't cut out the two or three times. This is why we have B-roll to make these cuts. And he showed me how to trim those cuts, how to make things short, how to get to the point, how if somebody talks for five minutes, there's really only 10 or 15 seconds we need and care about, unless it's unless there's a bigger picture. But for what we were doing, we didn't need it. And he showed me how to take this five minutes and literally almost cut it in half. And trimming the fat and learning how to tell a story as quickly and efficiently as you possibly can, and especially in this day and age with with attention spans, is incredibly valuable. And uh, it's something that I still like, kind of harp on today, is when you send me something, trim the fat. Like, get all rid of all the little... And when you talk about three and four frames at the end of each time somebody talks, and you extrapolate that over a 15-minute video, it could be a minute or two, you know? So you've got to think about those things. Is that something? Did you ever, like, when you started editing, did you know about, the, you know, those little fundamental pieces about trimming that, that like that? Or did you, or is that something you learned along the way? Um, I don't know. I mean, it, I think it was probably just something I learned along the way. Um, some of it was based on necessity. Yeah. So trying to keep videos under a certain time yeah or only having like so much b-roll and so you're trying to like get the talking to where it fits underneath the b-roll um i'm sure i probably sent edits to you and you're like too long (laughs) i wish i still had all those emails and stuff i wish i still had that first show that i did and watch how terrible it is i think my first I think my first, all my first edits are still on YouTube. Yeah. I don't know if the very, very, very first one is because um, I used a Brantley Gilbert song and, you know, you can't do that. So (laughs) (laughs) I think I know where it's at. But you're not supposed to. I know where it's at. Will I go find it? Never. Nope. Not going to do it. So ninth commandment is end your songs. 
And what do I mean by that? I get sent a lot of videos, going back to that, where they put a song in there, and when they're done with the song, they're moving on to the next thing, they just cross dissolve and end that song. It's just in the middle of a beat, and then just, it just fades out. Okay, what does that tell me? It's going back to the same thing with the transitions and hard cuts. That tells me you're inexperienced or you're lazy and you don't know how to edit and trim your songs. So I did it in one of the videos that's on the YouTube channel. If you haven't watched it, I don't remember which one. You might have to dig through there. But um, on how to shorten a song, lengthen a song, I mean, knowing how to do that makes your life so much easier. And it makes your edits so much better and so much more professional is going to the end of the song where a song naturally ends and moving that up in your edit to where you need the song to end. Not all songs work out perfectly. Sometimes you have to really do some work to get them to to the length you want. But generally, every 30 seconds to a minute, we're changing songs most of the time. Like we might play them a minute and a half sometimes. If you look at our timeline, they're almost built in blocks around songs. And that's by design. The songs aren't perfectly linked, and we don't edit to the perfect length of the song. We have to make the song to the length that we need it. So in editing, learn how to end your song. You can't just fade out and use a crosses off. You need to learn how to end and trim your songs. There's been a lot of times the song wasn't long enough, and I have to find certain beats, count beats, and then duplicate those beats and make songs longer. I've had to do that before, too. I think it gives you a lot of freedom in the edits, too, mm-hmm. because you are able to use the song to support the footage, yep. and you don't, you're don't. you not a slave to the song in any way. Like, if there's a, seg- a section when you're like, I don't really like that section, take it out. Yeah. If, there, if you don't have enough times. footage or, like, like, okay, well, the scene's done now. I don't yeah. need... I don't need any more of this scene. Any more of this scene is is too or, much. Or I've pulled up songs where I don't like the beginning, mm-hmm. but I like halfway through. Or I like the end of a song and the second section of a song, but I don't like the beginning of the third section. Yeah. Cut them out and then marry them together. It you got to be a little creative sometimes. But if they have good beats, it's really easy to do. Yeah. So... And last but not least, learn your keyboard shortcuts. And Ryer and I get to go back and forth on this one all the time. This is one of our favorite things is there'll be a shortcut come up that he knows that I don't know or that I know that he doesn't know that he's like, hey, what did you just do? Or I'll go in his office and I'll be like, wait a minute, what did you just hit? Because I'll see him do something in an edit that, makes him do something faster than the way that I'm used to doing it, where I'm used to grabbing something and dragging or move, you know, clicking three or four times. There's a button that does the same thing on your keyboard. And, and I know a bunch of them. He knows as many as I do, if not more. And it's one of those things to where if you learn your keyboard shortcuts, you will double, you will be able to edit twice as fast. It makes life so much easier. Take the time to learn the shortcuts. It takes some time to learn them, but they're pretty intuitive for the most part. It's how they're laid out on the keyboard or what they're short for or 
you know, that I know I'll never forget Daniel Thomas from Realtree told me one time he went to a red seminar at the red, like red cinema, red cameras. Mm-hmm. He said there was a, a girl doing the editing, like showing them how to edit. He said she never touched the mouse. He said it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Hashtag goals. He said she never touched the mouse. And I'm like, now that is a fast editor. If you don't ever have to touch your mouse, you're fast. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I mean, there's certain things I guess you could do that with. But um, to never have to touch your mouse, that's knowing your keyboard and your keyboard shortcuts. Now, is, is Premiere and other things probably capable of that? Yeah, I, I bet they would be mm-hmm. if you were that good. But um, I don't know. I kind of like my mouse, though. Yeah, I mean, I, it's kind of a Frankenstein-y sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, you could. I'm, I think some things are probably easier with the mouse. Yeah. You know, like if you had to select a huge group of clips, well, there's probably a... Well, she was she was probably so efficient, she didn't even need to do that. Probably. She just probably, her first cut was just, it was perfect at the end. Yeah. She just got to the end and hit O, Command E, done. O, Command E? What is O? Out? No, no. O, out, so she set her out point, and then command E for export. Well, if you, well, you wouldn't even have to if you really wanted to be efficient. <laughs> Here we go. If you really wanted to be efficient, you wouldn't have to set the O, because assuming you have no media uh, outside is, of yeah. the end of the clip, okay, you could just export yeah, okay, it, this is true. and it'll do the whole thing. You're right. Unless you, for some reason, had a random in and out point set somewhere in the timeline, in which case you could screw yourself. Yeah. So you have to really understand. I've done that before. I've exported something. I'm like, that was it's quick. Like 14 seconds. <laughs> the video's like 10 minutes. And you go back and you set an out point there. Ah, come on. And you have to do it all over again. Yeah. Done that a couple times. Um, But keyboard shortcuts, extremely, extremely important for making you fast and efficient. Also, don't be clay. Oh, God. Because yeah. clay doesn't have. A magic mouse. No, he refuses to use a magic mouse. He uses wrong. He uses a a dumb mouse. Yeah, he's stupid. It's archaic. Pretty sure it still has a cord on it. It's (laughs) disgusting. (laughs) Absolutely atrocious. Every time I see it, I almost puke. Yeah. Two, he his keyboard is set up to the Final Cut Pro in Premiere. He's using Premiere. But he's using the Final Cut Pro keyboard shortcuts. Didn't he say he's trying to learn them though? I he don't try, just do Clay. Yeah. Because I cannot sit down at your computer and do anything, which probably is why you do that. Yeah, well, this is you know you know you might be onto something there. But still, like if I had to go on there and do something, I can do nothing. I don't. None of the things are where they need to be. I press things. And it's an entirely different thing happens, yeah. and it makes me want to take the computer and throw it out a window. I, I hit a button and deleted everything. <laughs> it's all gone. I literally do not know what I did. And Command Z is not working. This thing is crap. Command Z better be universal. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Like, if there's one keyboard command, there's two keyboard commands that need to be universal. Command S, Command Z? No, com- uh, Command Z and Enter. Like, those oh. should... Commands you should undo, enter should forward things. Yeah. Well, no other. And a little, uh, a little bonus is a bonus. Learn how to color correct and sound design. If nothing else, just the basics, because that's going to up your value a lot of times too. Because a lot of the guys, you know, out there that are shooting on auto, 
your camera doesn't know best and your white balance will be jacked up or it'll the highlights will be really too bright or it's going to look really dull or oversaturated. If you learn how to just do the basics of color correction and sound design, like adding wind noises, adding elk bugles, adding turkey gobbles, things that are going to really intensify your edit, those things are going to make you so much better. Um, so just try and take the time to learn how to do those things. I think it's valuable. Anything you got to add? Ten Commandments? I would say this is bonus content. Um, once you understand how to do things inside of the editing program, like once you understand how to cut, once you understand like all of the, I guess, mechanical, quote-unquote mechanical um, workings of the program, <clears throat> start trying to teach yourself some of the more, um, I would say, psychological parts of editing. Yeah, the parts of the parts of psychological editing that we haven't got to explore a whole lot yet just because we do hunting, but yeah, for sure. Like I think as as an editor myself, that has been probably one of the biggest drivers of my ability to tell stories that impact people. Yeah. Whether that is a blue stem or or a Rambo video or in the notes or a um or a TV show, like understanding why certain shots, cuts, um, and other intrinsic things about an edit make people feel a certain way and how that affects your viewer is only going to help you be a better storyteller. Oh, for sure. Because once you know, like once you go into an edit and you're like, okay, I need the viewer to feel this thing, what do I have to do to make them feel that? What kind of shots do I need? What type of music do I need? What type of cuts do I need? What kind of pacing do I need? What can I do to make sure that the edit, that the viewer is feeling this thing or understanding what I'm trying to tell them is going to really bump up your game as an editor? Yeah. And there's books, and you can go down a nerdy YouTube rabbit well, hole. Perfect, perfect. This is a tease, and you're not getting anything out of me other than this tease is, I watched a Netflix film the other day. Who's not going to get anything on you? I'm not giving away what we're doing. But I watched a Netflix film the other day, and it gave me an idea. I literally called Ryer going down the road when the idea hit me. And I was on vacation. Where are you? If it's the idea that we're thinking about, and I was at the, the spring, beach. Just one for the spring? I was oh, at the were, beach. Oh, you were at the beach. I mm-hmm. forgot about that. So I had an idea hit me after something I watched. Because of the psychology of what they were portraying to me on camera. And I saw it. It impacted me. And I'm like, I can tell a very good story along these same lines and get to do those type things that we've been wanting to do. Like you can you can get into the psychology of shooting and editing a little bit in the hunting space, but at the end of the day, it's killing a deer or an elk or whatever. So you can you can get intense with like close eye shots and get intense on music and things like that. But we don't really get to really break into some super emotional stuff like we'd like to. So this idea I have is more of an emotional driver than we've ever done before, and it'll be a challenge for us. But um, look for something new and exciting coming out springtime. That we're doing. Oh, and we had another idea today of a small series that you might be coming up, seeing coming up. Who? We had it today. 
cape shirt. Oh, I didn't know that was a series. Oh, well, it, a, a, a reoccurring theme that might be coming up. I don't know if I <laughs> want to make that a theme. <laughs> I think that kind of erodes. Oh, I think it's going to be hilarious. So um, Maybe that'll be our foray into uh, more regular TikTok content. More reg- yes. Which we need to do. Yeah, and anyway. I, and I, did, oh, I can't. I don't know how. We don't have time to do all these things. But anyway, that's the Ten Commandments of editing or video editing. Um, Break them, and you shall be smitten. Yeah. So smote, smoted, smoted, smitten, smoted. So that was an hour and sixteen minutes solid podcast. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Peace. <laughs>